Australia's top TV podcast, Box Cutters, invites you to enjoy the 2010 Eurovision Song Contest on the big screen upstairs at Vibe. Watch the SBS broadcast as we bring a little bit of Oslo to downtown Fitzroy. Come dressed to represent your favorite Eurovision nation. Drinks, bar snacks, and Julia worshipping will be available. That's Box Cutters presents Eurovision 2010 Party. Vibe on Smith Street, Fitzroy. Sunday, May 30th from 7 p.m. Be there, be there, be there, be there, be there, be there. And now, previously on Box Cutters. Box Cutters. Box Cutters. Box Cutters. Hello and welcome to Box Cutters episode 222. Or 6. Less than 3. Oh, nice one. Or eight. <laughs> uh, yes, or eight. So, so it's either two cubed, or it's six. Or less, or, or less than three, depending on which uh, base you're using. Yes. Obviously a base of at least a uh, hundred. <laughs> <laughs> or it's uh, 230 minus 28. <laughs> or Maths! Is it just me that... that, that or, or is this episode 222? That... Uh, Two thirty. Uh, I, I, I'm just. I, I'm looking forward to that episode because I. I, I think I'll make a special introduction with the uh, two, two thirty, two thirty Brunswick Street, uh, two thirty. You, know, you guys know. don't remember that? Oh, you no, probably wouldn't I, because you're over in Perth. I remember it. Eric Plannon sex leather just, sale leather fur shop in Brunswick Street. I'm just wondering a why you've. Just ruined a joke that you you would have planned, and B why you wouldn't go with the time to see a dentist when you're two thirds. The racism there, I think, yeah. is the, the issue. Oh, oh, and co- sorry, well, sorry, against dentists, against Chinese, two thirty. More on I that. I never once said Chinese, but can, that's what the joke's from. Can I point out because this joke will have to be used now and then not for another year? That tomorrow, uh, our time, not your time, internet time, obviously, but our time where we're recording this. Tomorrow is International Star Wars Day. Because it's uh, it's May the fourth, and May the fourth be, be with, with you. you. <laughs> That's brilliant. So I'm just going to start the show again. Actually, go. Hello and welcome to Box Cutters, episode 222. Someone reply and like me, please. Chew, chew, <laughs> chew. My name is Josh Canal. To my left, John Richards. Hello, listener. And to my right, stepping all over my jokes, Brett Cropley. Lovely to be here. Good evening, viewers. <laughs> 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 it's so fulsome oh. now, isn't it? It is. Hey, um, you're like Oliver Reed on Parkinson. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, but for some reason, because I got the formal introduction and, and technically I hadn't said a word up until that point, I thought I'd say lovely to be here. It's nice. Wow, wow. I wish that was always the way, that until you had the, uh, the, the formal introduction. It's a technicality. Technically, you haven't said a word. Like no. vampires. Yeah. Or in court. Mm, go on. This week's episode of Box Cutters... All about television, and we are, of course, going to talk about the Logies during news, and then let's never speak of them again. <laughs> We've got a what's Daryl whinging about this week, apparently. Oh, no, I just said we should have one. 
But that was for him. I, 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 yes, we've we got do. one. We've got one? Oh, good, because I've got them. one. I, I, I haven't uh, locked in on, on which one I'm going to go with. I know, there's so many choices. I just want to hear the theme tune. <laughs> we're uh, we're, we're going to take a look at the new show from the FX network in the US, which is a basic cable network. That's that, the Brian Brown network, as we've yes. discussed before. Mm-hmm. Yes. Nothing but Brian Brown. Nothing but Brian Brown, and apparently Timothy Oliphant. Right. Right. Uh, it's called Justified. And well, Justin Timberlake. Yes. yes. <laughs> well, you gave me the, the feed to be able to do that joke. <laughs> and uh, and oh, what else are we going to do? It's, it's a huge... We've got letters. We've got TV cliches. We've got uh, maybe the quiz. If between now and quiz time we can think of a question. We've got one thing. We've got some pork. As always, though, we're going to kick it off with the Box Cutters News. <laughs> Do you want to do the Logies news at the start or the yeah, end? Yeah, go on, go on. Let's get over and At the start? Logies. I can't wait to talk okay. about it. Go on. In, uh, in, in late-breaking news, because I only just realised that she was nominated for the award in the first place, uh, Carrie Bickmore, apparently new to television in the last year. Yes. She won Best Newcomer at Logies. That shocked me, because I had no idea who she was. Most popular new talent. Oh, was it? Uh, the, is it? Is I, it? I think. And who was she again? She, she read the news on Rove. Is that right? <laughs> yeah, she... Um, she uh, she she started off reading the uh, the the news on Rove Live in two thousand and six. So she wasn't the original newsreader on Rove. Was she the blonde one who did the comedy show that Roving yeah, made with Hamish was... and Andy? No, different. Oh, because I liked her. That was Jennifer someone. Right, she was Love you. Yeah. Uh No, Anna Adams. Jennifer Adams. Thank you. Uh, uh, no, she was the original newsreader on on Rove. So she couldn't have started in 2006 then. Why? Because Rove went for 10 years on Channel 10. Yeah, but they didn't have a news segment until 2006. Uh, really? Yeah, really. Know. Okay. But well done her. Fair enough. Uh, you know, I think we'll agree. Yeah. Uh, hooray. Yeah, ho- hooray for uh, fooling everybody. She's become Carrie an overnight Bickmore. sensation in four years. <laughs> four years. Who else won awards then? Uh, Alf, didn't yeah, he? Yeah, Alf. Alf. Raymar. Raymar or yeah. Liga. As, uh, Alf. As, depending on how you read his name. Ma. Mm. Uh, Omega. He won the gold logo. Some, he, some he say did. mayor. Right. Depending so, on how you read the name. Alf won the gold logo. I was saying before, right. my experience of it was, uh, I think as most people did, by not watching it and occasionally reading sarcastic comments on Facebook, which we've now realised it's virtually how everyone... Uh, I, I've not seen a year in which everyone has openly despised the Logies as much as they have this And this, year. this I think, is, is, is one of the two real stories coming out of the, the, the Logies this year. One, how much everybody commenting on it hated it. Two is... Uh, so this is watches, not people in the room. Yeah. Well, well both of and, and, and that's the weird thing. Two is how can you do a, a delayed telecast... With, with live tweets. With Twitter in the world. But I think this is the other weird thing. I was saying, we were saying it's actually not just the viewers hating it now. It's all people presenting it and winning awards seem to be hating it. I mean, like the Twitter feeds are quite vitriolic coming out from people inside the room. You know. Along what lines? For example, uh, for example, well, I'm not thinking back to last year's, but I think you were saying this year it's usually the, the comedians just yeah. laying and into it. I don't know if I should name names. I just <laughs> uh, but, but no, they um, don't name who they came from. But uh, there were there was... were tweets there were tweets about the, uh, the the broadcasters saying don't tweet this event, uh-huh. uh, threatening because there were some there were some threatening to throw people were... who were tweeting out of the 
out of the room. Well, beyond that, there were whispers before the event that they were going to take people's phones off them <laughs> really? as they entered the room, yeah. Which is which is exactly what they did for me with the Iron Man two screening last week. Did they? Yeah, yeah. It's if you if you go to a movie screening now, you have to uh, hand in your phone. You have to hand in your phone. This is a, a preview screening. Mm-hmm. You have to hand in your phone just in case. Uh, and and I I also had to hand in my iPod, which has no camera on it. Uh, but they went no, no. It's a recording device. You you still have to hand it in. So they must think that there are some people who will just record the audio of a film <laughs> and then post it on the internet. For people then to draw their own pictures well, with. blind people. Um, but the other thing too was, was saying Julia Zemiro um, was interviewed uh, about a week ago saying how she wasn't bothering her logies, what a waste of time it was, how no one cared. Um, she thought it was making a mockery of, of the TV industry entirely and, and how we'd be better off having more of an actual AFI. She suggested actually splitting the AFI TV awards out from the AFI Film Awards having them six months apart and televising both. That's a lovely idea. Well, except that I think the AFI added the TV in in order to get more interest for the film awards. I could be wrong That's a that, lovely idea. But I think, yes, I think originally it was done to try and make the AFI awards more popular. But, uh, but yeah, the idea of actually having a, an award ceremony we, we could perhaps care about. Maybe it's time for something new, something like a, a People's Choice Awards. Wouldn't Brett, that be fantastic? Brett, no, we've done that. We've done that. Not no. only not only have we done no, a people's choice no, no, not only have we done a people's choice awards, but for the past four logies that we've covered uh, on box cutters, you've made that joke. I have not. <laughs> That's the first time I've made that joke. If you're listening and you th- you also think Brett's made that joke in the past, please feel free to go back to the archives of, uh, of box cutters and, and find out. Let us know. Please let us know. I'm sure you've made that joke. Tell before. us which year was your favourite version of Brett making that joke. <laughs> <laughs> and we'll have we'll have most popular new joke <laughs> from four years ago. Yeah, but it'll be a special extra on, on the uh, DVD that we release of the video podcast. There is no video podcast. The, uh, the the big news though coming out of the Logies is that uh, unlike other <laughs> unlike other awards shows where. Uh, people from huge accounting firms need to have the results locked in uh, a briefcase that is attached to their arm and uh, and with electrodes to their nipples and also you know heightened security. Uh, their uh, the, the results of the TV Week Logie Awards are actually given under uh, embargo to the press and uh, and the I think Sydney Morning Herald this year accidentally announced 45 minutes before he actually received the award that Raymar won the Gold Logie. Mm-hmm. On, mm. on their website. On their website. So there was a similar oh. thing with the Daily Telegraph in Sydney, uh, but, but actually running the incorrect story about Poe winning MasterChef two hours yes. before yes. that show had finished. Uh, but this, this was actually the correct information yes. <laughs> being released. And, and so we discovered that it's not a surprise. So 45 minutes before the, the televised awards or 45 minutes before the actual award was given in the room? I think before the, the actual award was given in the room. Okay. Uh, which, uh, again, br- brings to, to mind so many questions about why the hell do we bother? Why do we bother with the Logies? And, well, and- in, in, in fact, given the, the bomb that was put on with the bookies for Raymar to win the gold Logie, uh, it, it seems that maybe that embargoed information was out a week before they actually announced it. Can I bet on the Logies? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And, and Raymar went down to $1.10 during last week, and I didn't hear anything about betting being uh, suspended or anything, but uh, yeah, he was... 
definitely the bookie's favourite. Well, up until up until how late can you uh, can, can you bet on money? I'm not sure. Because this is, uh, I, I think this brings into question a whole lot uh, about the Logies. And I think it's one of the big problems with awards shows in Australia in general. And it's that we, it, it's not that we don't do awards shows well. It's that we don't actually care about awards so much. Well, also, I don't think we make enough content, content to actually justify a lot of these awards. Like, yeah, there are some years for even the AFI awards where we, we've mm-hmm. made maybe a dozen films. Not that many are great. You know, it's hard to really get people excited about... Two of about them had a certain, mainstream release. That yeah, you know, it's hard to get people that excited about genre, well, uh, the, the genres that, that maybe we've only made four dramas, so they're all there at Logies and no one really liked any of them. I, I suppose there's, a, th- there's an argument to say that if we make the Logies really good and get people really excited about Australian television, then uh, there will be more money coming into Australian television because the feeling is that it's, it's much better than it actually is, or that we produce a lot more of it, or that it's something worth doing. Uh, the, but the idea of uh, having awards for Australian television that we're all so uh, kind of apathetic about. Mm-hmm. I mean, we're a fairly apathetic nation as, uh, as it is. We don't really, uh, you know, we're every now and then... We, we, sorry? We're pretty la- we're, we're laid, laid back. We're laid back. Maybe apathetic yeah. is too, is too we're harsh. We're, we're, we're laid back. People win awards, they don't win awards. Who cares? I like the show. You didn't like the show? Well, stuff you, mate. Mm-hmm. I like the show. Let me keep watching it. You don't have to watch it. There. It's got my award. It's got the Josh Award. Now, also... With- Screw you, Barry. <laughs> also, with the Logies, uh, historically, and and I, I haven't heard anything about uh, how our international guests went last night, but historically, they have had international guests presenting awards there who who basically tell everybody how shit the awards are and, and how how small the industry is and how unimportant it all is. It's like it's like this fly speak for them who there, have come there out are, of the States and There there are two two great moments that, that I can remember. One is uh uh Joan Rivers, who was hilarious, absolutely hilarious at the Logies, uh and just talking about how completely useless they are. Mm. Uh and uh, and it was – I mean, that's that's what she does. That's her shtick. But it, it also had so much truth to it that it was uh, it was a little bit too funny. Uh, and the other is uh, uh, Sally Struthers, I think, uh, in, um, in, in the Norman Gunston show when Norman Gunston was interviewing her and saying he really wanted to win a gold Logie. And she thought that sounded like some kind of infection or illness. <laughs> I think those 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 are good points, well made by uh, by overseas people. Hmm. Which is not to say that we should just get rid of it because overseas people think it's no good. I think we should uh, we should get rid of a cultural cringe that means that we have to have overseas stars uh, present awards at our local awards. Yeah, no. why not? Why not make them make them smaller? Don't, don't try to make them as as big and uh, and outrageous and. Uh, but the the problem is that it's the TV Week Logie Awards. They are tied to a magazine. It is uh, and a mindset in, and a mindset. Well, it is it is I think two thirds a, a People's Choice Award. So you're always going to get that level of uh, of lack of dignity when when it comes to to giving out awards, and uh, no one really cares. And 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 the truth is that I, I don't think people uh, people out there. The, the people in the outer, as you might call them, in football, Brett. Right. <laughs> uh, care about what critics think or what uh, what what peer review 
awards would be given out either. So I think there there isn't enough of a population that cares about either kind of review. Sorry, either kind of award to uh, to to justify it. So let's uh, either we can all start caring a lot more, but that's not going to happen. So let's just keep things as they are because that's the Australian way. Yeah, yeah. Who was the, the special guest this year? Katie Lang. She as was, a presenter. No, she... she and Wil- and so, Because What's-Her-Face was supposed to come out. Can we stress it? Katie Lang was replacing Susan Boyle. Yeah. Yes. Because we live in an insane world in which apparently Susan Boyle is seen as the more... You know, the, the better option. Well, definitely more Katie current. Lang. But she's Katie got, Lang. She's got a voice. I think, I think that, that sums up the Lens. ladies right there, going, well, you could have this amazing talent who's Katie Lang, or you could have Susan Boyle. Oh, Susan Boyle. Well, you the don't last think she time- has an amazing talent? Oh, When's the right. last time Katie Lang was a runner-up on a television show? Yeah, okay, yeah, you've taught me. Never. Right, right. But Susan Boyle was. So her relevance to television is much greater than that of Katie Lang. I'm just saying about talent. That's all oh, you, look, about. if you're going to bring talent into it, we but can't Why are we dis- talking about the Logies yeah. at all? Okay. <laughs> uh, in, uh, in, in late breaking news, the, uh, the, the car bomb that was discovered in Times Square in New York, yes. uh, according to The Age... What? You say car bomb. Well, it was it was a couple of pro- tanks of propane say, well, you gas. You say discovered uh, <laughs> a couple of fireworks. It was, it was apparently the most amateurish thing that was supposed to be a car bomb ever seen. Well, the, the uh, in age, Times Square, the Age reports, uh, the, the Age reports that the Washington Post reports mm-hmm. uh, that it was parked quite close to the Manhattan headquarters of Viacom, which is the parent company of Comedy Central. Which South aired Park, which South Park last year. South Park episode that we talked about last week, uh, and uh, and then that long bow is not drawn for the rest of the article. So maybe it was trained, Matt. That's a bit desperate, isn't it? Yeah, it that, was that parked is, near a building. It was parked. It was parked near a building that also just happens to be the headquarters of the parent company of the uh, network that showed the thing by these two guys who were the original. People threatened, but I reckon if I went to Times Square, that I'd be probably close to a lot of buildings. I mean, there'd be, there'd be many, many buildings I'd be close yes, to. Yes, yes. In, in fact, Manhattan Island, not that big. So you could argue they were trying to destroy, you know, cats. Yeah, yeah. And, and, and we'd all be cats behind the musical. Them. The musical, cats, yeah. I think cats we'd all be, musical. yeah. Not, not just Ellie. No, 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 no. no not cats in general. That yeah. war is unwinnable. <laughs> Unfortunately. <laughs> uh, you know what? You know what I feel like. Well, Chicken tonight. Well, you remember, remember John used to come in and every week he'd have some kind of Battlestar Galactica news. Oh yes, when when Battlestar Galactica was on. Yeah, yes. and so, and since then, I feel like he's he's almost done it with Doctor Who news, but but it, has, all, it all went quiet. It, it all then then it all went quiet once the new Doctor Who started, and uh, and everyone was quite happy with uh, with with the decision made to to have that the guy new as one the being David Tennant. No, no, Matt Smith. Well, Matt, Matt Smith. Smith. Matt Smith. Very good. Uh, and uh, and and all of that happening, and then John's. John's Doctor Who news just kind of fell by the wayside. Well, how about, how about if I give you three Doctor Who news stories in one go? <laughs> what? 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 <laughs> yeah, I've got three. It's that kind of week. Take that. One of these is actually important. The other two aren't. Let's see if you can work out which is which. I'll start. This is look. This is the biggest one. This is what in England they've been calling Norton Gate. And it, does this have something to do with Graham Norton? It does have to do with Graham Norton. And oh, it, really? It, and it deals with the BBC running little Him not trailers. Being particularly funny. Well, no, no but it's, it's, it's to do with, with and this is a, also a, a actually much much bigger kind of thing that I think needs to be looked at too. Is the idea of running trailers for the next shows coming while a current show is on, especially for a broadcast like the BBC happens all the time, or the ABC, which is supposedly non-commercial now. 
not not this week, but last week's episode was number one of a, of a two-parter, mm-hmm. and uh, the Time of Angels by by uh, Stephen, Stephen Moffat. And as you might remember as a writer on Press Gang. Yes, you might remember that. Or a Bathurst uh, multiple winner. Yeah. <laughs> you might remember that. Anyway, it was a very, very good, very tense story. It's a beautifully shot, really lovely. And as you're going towards the very, very tense end and the baddies are coming from all sides and will the Doctor and his friends make it and the Doctor's giving this really impassioned speech, suddenly a little animated Graham Norton appeared on the bottom of the screen saying, stick around over the rainbow, up next. And a lot of people got very angry that it effectively did take you out of the drama to have yeah. a little, little animated Graham Norton. The reason the BBC is doing this is That's because... That's shit. Well, because Doc, Doctor Who ratings at the end of uh, Doctor Who are around 7 million, and then they plunge by about 2 to 3 million. Because maybe that's the by a show. shit show. Maybe that, yeah, maybe that's because Over the Rainbow not so good. It may be that. But the BBC were now going, well, look, if you're not sticking around, we're going to actually start whacking that show into the show you're currently watching. So, so they're threatening their audience. <laughs> yes, stick around. It, um, a lot of people went uh, overboard. Uh, my secret boyfriend, Charlie Brooker, one of them, um, he tweeted... Why don't the BBC... Is it secret because he doesn't know about it? Because he doesn't know about it. I love him. Um, He he tweeted, why don't the BBC just wipe shit all over the screen during the final scene next week? (laughs) (laughs) It's it's just an excuse for me to read that out. That's the the whole reason I wanted to do this story. Um, uh, Also, people like Simon Pegg. There's been huge amounts of complaints. Thousands of people complained to the BBC. uh, And the BBC has actually apologised, which is is kind of unusual, saying we apologise for the timing of Saturday Night's Trail. So... They're, they're saying they do this often. They're not necessarily going to stop doing it, but they have realised that maybe working it in the most dramatic moment of the show isn't the best. Well, why I think they're paying their, their license fees. Mm. I think they should give everybody five p <laughs> of the license fee back. Yeah, post it out. To them. Five p of the license fee. Give that back to them. That's that's one. That's one Doctor Who. That's one. But it is interesting, it's interesting to think about the idea of yeah, at what point do TV stations have to stop with watermarks and yeah, at what point are you crossing that line? I think to, at the uh, point that Simon Pegg gets angry. It's <laughs> an interesting way of uh, yeah, judging. Okay, my other two stories very Dear quickly. Simon Pegg, I wanted to bring your attention to this watermark on our local television station. The, uh, Please Eng- get angry about it. <laughs> the English elections uh, are coming up. Uh, intriguingly, one of the most recent polls found that more people would prefer no party wins, which is one of my favourite polls I've ever seen. Oh. More people want a hung parliament rather than any party actually wins. That's so Brewster's millions. I uh, know. Anyway, but... Uh, None of no, the above. The reason I bring this up is because the Greens in the UK uh, were running an ad on YouTube called Vote Dalek. Um, and in it, there was a red, blue and yellow Daleks in, in the four corners of the screen, four mm-hmm. you know, split screen. Uh, three colour-coded Daleks, red for Labour, blue for Conservatives, yellow for Liberal Democrats, who no one remembers. And there was a green bunny in, in the uh, fourth corner. Uh, the song, One of These Things Is Not Like the Others, played, and then at the end, the bunny shot lasers out of its eyes, destroying the Daleks, and the phrase, vote greens, came up. That's been removed from YouTube due to copyright infringement. <laughs> <laughs> that does remind me, though, that, the, that Daleks now come in many colours, yeah, uh, so, 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 so Daleks are a lot like the iPod Nano. <laughs> they, they are. They really, they just come in iPod Nano colours now. The new Alessi Daleks. Oh, that's probably a spoiler. Has that episode gone away yet? Anyway, um, and finally, the Telegraph has reported that sales of bow ties have gone through the roof. <laughs> Uh, oh, this is the real news story. <laughs> this is the important one. Top Man, whose shoppers ages are the target audience for the TV program, uh, shows a range of 12 bow ties on its website. Its spokesman for the store said, Since the new Doctor Who aired, we've seen a dramatic rise in bow tie sales. In the last month, sales have increased by 94%. Wow. Wow, that means they've almost doubled. 
<laughs> that or, means, or, or they've almost doubled. The, that, yeah, that, that means where they used to sell four bow ties, they're now selling <laughs> Nearly seven. Eight. Yeah, it's just ninety four percent on the previous month, so it's actually six percent less. Math. <laughs> 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 And, uh, and and just you know a, another thing to uh, to add to my why the hell is anyone bothering with this news? Uh, the hockey championships, the World Ice Hockey Championships, uh, shown to German viewers uh, on Deutsche Telekom, Konstein Median, on the Liga Total channel, <laughs> is uh, which is a, a pay channel, is also going to be shown in three D. So, so suddenly we've got all of this sport because on the site uh, last week we announced that uh, we announced, yeah, we announced, we announced, yeah, we announced that Channel Nine are going to be uh, are going to be showing the The grand final, uh, no, the uh, the NRL uh, State of Origin Mm -hmm. series in three in three D and three D sets now on sale. Yes, and I, you know. People are listening to are listening to box cutters, waiting in line at Harvey Norman but for their three D television. It is interesting, isn't it? Because that was thing where around um, the Olympics, you know, started. I mean, Australian television started in line with the Olympics. The Olympics was used as the big sporting event to sell tellies. In the UK, it was the coronation uh, a few years earlier was the big thing that made people go out and buy tellies. They're obviously hoping that these big sporting events will be the 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 thing that makes us all go. Yes, we must have a three D television. And I'm I'm trying to get someone from Channel Nine to talk to us about what it takes to make a three D sporting broadcast. Mm-hmm. Uh, and hopefully, I can also find someone who can tell us why the three D televisions are different to regular televisions. If you need glasses, anyway. You know, for the sports, they need to get that re- roller coaster into the middle of the. Oh yeah, yeah, and it's uh, very important for any three D broadcast. And uh, and and the the uh, the person with the. The ball on the bat, oh, on the bat, just coming at you. Yeah, which I think is, uh, I think, I think might be in House of Wax. It is in House of Wax. Excellent. So that's uh, that's three D hockey. Anything else? No, that is the box cutters news. What's Daryl whinging about this week? Brett Cropley. Daryl Summers, happy-go-lucky man about town. Yes, he's, he's very, uh, very, very much, very much just enjoys the opportunities that are thrown his way, and, uh, and he just can't believe his success. He's and, happy with that. And he's, he's humble. He's very humble. Very, very, so very humble. humble. Very, very humble. But you know, if if that was to turn, <laughs> and he was maybe going to whinge about something. Oh, I couldn't imagine that. <laughs> well, there goes this segment. <laughs> What would it be though? What would he be whinging about this week? Well, when, 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 when <laughs> Hey Hey Saturday on a Wednesday actually got to the air, um, it just just uh, just to make sure that uh, nobody had, had missed out on on hearing what Daryl was whinging about, um, he, there were a couple of special moments during the show, uh, with a moment taken out of Pluck a Duck. Um, the the segment when when that was on to make sure that the uh, the the woman they brought up the contestant uh, was actually from Queensland because apparently they were going to be in big trouble if she wasn't. I can only imagine that this means they only applied for the lottery permit in, in Queensland. Queensland because it's it's far too much work to, to, <laughs> to be going all, all over the states. Yes, yes, we've, so. got, we've got so many of them. That would be like seven documents. We've got or so possibly many. six and two smaller ones. <laughs> <laughs> no. 
Um, so, so I can only imagine that happened. Uh, and uh, and but special pains to uh, say it on air and and make sure that everybody knew what hard work it is for Daryl to actually get Pluck a Duck on air. We have read over over this week that uh, Chocolata is looking dead. Um, because Jackie McDonald's not coming down from Queensland, no, I th- and I think I think it's it's also because of the uh, uh, because of the the lottery permits. Did, did they Seven try it with that, Jackie? Mm, for the documents. <laughs> uh, did, did they try? Did they try it without Jackie? I I don't know. I think other people can pick up chickens from the floor no, just as easily. It wouldn't no. be the same. It no. just wouldn't be the same. Would, wouldn't be the same. Wouldn't be the same. No, no, because it's, it's always about uh, about her bending over and picking them up and, and the uh, the close-up shots of that and, and then making uh, more jokes about Jackie McDonald being dumb with folks where she comes from. Right. I think. Um, but the second uh, was the second uh, thing that uh, came up on, on that episode of uh, Daryl's whinging was a whole segment using repurposed vision of Mel- Molly Meldrum from 20 years ago oh, no. in, in multicolored uh, knitted jumper and everything uh, with him throwing to the top 10 songs locally and overseas before John Blackman came in with the up-to-date charts, um, which, uh, which which were fairly identical between the US and the UK, Beyonce and, and go down the list. But uh, Daryl then got his moment. Because uh, that, that seems like, you know, it's meant to be a joke. That's meant to be a, a light-hearted jibe. We can't get Molly, so here's a... So here's, here's some old stuff. Isn't that funny? Well, then he got his moment to point out to everyone that Channel 7 hadn't allowed Molly to break the terms of his contract to be on the opposing network. And also that they weren't going to be happy about them using old footage. Way to spoil your own joke, Daryl. <laughs> and then uh, then they uh, started in with Molly's dog, who who was, wasn't was uh, contractually obliged to not be on Channel 9 uh, the- and, and could appear with Dickie Nee. But uh, unfortunately, far too comfortable with Dickie Nee now. Has Daryl yet said it's his show and, and he's not going to let us play with it and just... <laughs> Walked off and taken it off the screen with him yet? Not on air. Because it's, it's coming up, isn't it? One week coming soon. Daryl will go, well, that's it then. Yeah. And he'll just walk, the whole TV will just go with him. <laughs> there this blank gap left in your lounge room where the TV used to be. He'll, he'll come in and the picture will just go. Yeah, he'll go. He'll take the picture. I've seen my, my favourite Daffy Duck. My favourite bit of Hey Hey News uh, th- this week is that they've taken down the billboard that used to be up while I was driving home. And there is nothing more frightening than driving home and then suddenly feeling like a di- giant Daryl Summers is going to kill us all. <laughs> oh, where was that? Uh, I don't that think was, I got uh, to see that, Bill. What? That was near Crown Casino. Ah. On Kingsway. Near On Crown the Kingsway Casino. flyover. Yeah. Yeah. That's where Josh lives. Underneath the flyover. <laughs> <laughs> I'm the troll underneath the flyover. Yeah. You can't. That's why sometimes there's a traffic jam there, because you've got to pay me a toll. He says drive. Oh, you're the toll troll. <laughs> <laughs> I am the toll troll, um, but yeah, there's the there's the Chocolato thing. The the website fell over. Uh, Jackie McDonald got ill. Jackie McDonald got ill. There's lots that Daryl uh, that Daryl can whinge about. But my my favourite thing is the Benigo Street one, which uh, I hadn't heard. Somebody somebody completely unrelated to this show said, "Oh, Channel Nine, they're moving out of Bendigo Street." I hadn't heard anything about it until I I saw an article where Daryl was kind of whinging, saying that uh, the site should be uh, used to house a new museum of television honouring 
the memory of uh, Bendigo Him. Street in uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that, that's, that's what we're getting at isn't yeah, it really yeah. when he says honouring you know television Channel 9 history he means him he just means him yes right. yes yes because yeah. uh, apparently that the pianos that were more historical there uh, didn't didn't uh, come into to anything but I, uh, he, he also wanted to name the entire area Television City oh. <laughs> Apparently, there is a uh, in the works a plan with developers uh, putting up residential towers and stuff there. But uh, I guess obviously there are parts of the building they won't be able to tear down because it would have a heritage overlay on them. Um, so they're going to have to work around that. I'm surprised Daryl's not going Jonathan Holmes and and Lynn Buckfield over their use of the words Media Watch. <gasps> yes. Well, why is it, why is he not doing that? I think we need a new segment. What isn't Daryl whinging about this week? If I were a voiceover artist, I would do something like this: box cutters, the place to be. I'm thinking R's. I'm thinking three triple R box cutters. And you're probably thinking to yourself, it's a good thing you're Craig McLaughlin and you're not a voiceover artist. But of course, Alan Dale was a voice artist. Alan can't be with box cutters this week, but I tell you what, I can be. And I'm Guy Pearce. <laughs> Guy Pearce's good friend, Craig. <laughs> oh, we did love the Craig recently, uh, didn't we? We're going through uh, a, yeah, there's, there's, a there's wealth lots of Craig. Of, lots of Craig. Hey, you know where Craig doesn't appear? Where? In Justified. Yeah. The new Justin Timberlake album. Not yet. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's the drama about fonts, isn't it? Yes. That's in which the writing goes from all the way on one side <laughs> to the all, other. All, all the way to the other. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Yeah. Quite exciting. It's in 3D. And you think, oh no, I'm getting the end of the sentence. Oh my God, oh my God, oh my God. And then you come back to Just the beginning goes, again. It goes, goes right to the, the start of the next line. It's got word it's, wrapping and you never expected. It's amazing. <laughs> uh, ju- <laughs> Justified is, is, a, is a television show from the FX uh, uh, basic cable network in the US. So every time you say basic yes. cable, are you saying that as a judgmental thing? Because you make it sound like a judgmental thing. Uh, it's It's... When you get your cable package, it comes in your basic cable package. Yeah, yeah. But I'm saying you, though. You, Josh Canal, Because you do have a tone when you say basic cable. I have a, I have a tone when I say John Richards. <laughs> yeah, I know. But we know what that's about. <laughs> but, but, but no, but honestly, do you, do, you, do you think it matters when you say basic cable? Do you think it actually has I, a... I think, uh, it I, has. I think it's, uh, it's, it's, the next, it's the next best thing to free to wear. Because everybody with cable has that. Yeah. It's part of the basic package, so... If you've got cable, you've got effects. So, so I think I'm actually, uh, I'm actually trying to intone the sense that you're more likely to be able to see this than something that's on HBO if you're in the states. Okay, I was, I'm actually more curious when you that. when you review it. And sorry for, for we're getting very metatextual here. I do apologize, but when you review this, because I knew nothing, you know, about this at all when I went to watch it. Do you come with a certain expectation to it, though, knowing that it's basic cable as opposed to HBO, as opposed to free to air? Like, do you go, you know, I know I, it's not going to have swearing, or I know it's going to. I have come tits to. Or- uh, I actually have a, a different expectation because it's on FX, and FX was the the channel that had the Shield. Mm-hmm. I think, oh well, this is a channel that uh, that is uh, possibly a, a little bit braver with its drama content and is willing to go that little extra step into into something that might not be as popular. To start with, but it's also willing to to give things a go to let them develop. Uh, so I have a, a positive spin on it rather than a, a negative spin. Yeah. Uh, there are uh, a, the difference though is uh, b- back when Ross was on the show, we were talking about the the curse of Showtime, and Showtime not a basic cable channel. Uh, yet uh, you had to pay extra for it, 
but their shows had a little bit of stink. So if something came on Showtime, you knew it was going to be almost good, but was going to have just a little bit of, of stink. What what fits that description? Dexter. Uh, First season of Dexter, you thought, had stink? Oh, compared to compared to the, the, the quality that HBO... No, compared to the books stink like a monkey's cage. It's just <laughs> horrible. Apologies to anyone who keeps a clean monkey cage. <laughs> uh, or any clean monkeys for listening. The, the first series of Dexter is actually a lot better than the book because uh, yeah. the book is terrible. But, the, uh, uh, but, but Dexter just has this little bit of uh, maybe they didn't have as much time to, to develop it. And all of, the sh- all of the Showtime shows have that feeling that they didn't – they just didn't put their entire heart and soul into it like mm-hmm. the – HBO shows of uh, Deadwood and Sopranos and Carnival. Because you're not going to get an audience of 30 million watching it. Yeah, possibly. Possibly it was because they just didn't have as as big a budget. Or Uh, 20 million or 10 million. But with with FX, because they have that pedigree, I think, oh, well, I'm I'm more inclined to to try to watch something on FX, Mm -hmm. Uh, even though it just looked – from the poster, because they had posters up for this when when I was in New York, and it just looked like – Timothy Oliphant, well, he was in Deadwood. Let's have a show where we put him in uh, in a cowboy hat, and that's shorter rate because people are going to recognise it. And I thought, well, that's a, a little bit cynical, FX, but still, I'll give it a look. So it's like but- a substitute for for series of four of Deadwood. Yes. <laughs> so what is it about? Well, it's it's based on an Elmore Leonard uh, short story called Fire in the Hole, which uh, features a. A character that he's revisited, Elmore Leonard has revisited a couple of times in novels. Uh, Fire in the Hole is about Raylan Givens, who is a U.S. marshal, and uh, and so Justified kind of starts from from that point. The same way as Eureka started. Again, a marshal transporting a prisoner. Yeah, although uh, the the way Justified starts, it, it opens up. He's a U.S. marshal working in Miami. He uh, and there's a, a showdown, and so it's got this kind of old school Western feel to it, where he uh, approaches a guy at a table and says, "I gave you 24 hours to get out of my town," and the guys go, "Oh, what are you going to do about it?" And someone ends up getting shot. It's not Raylan Givens because he's the hero of the show, and uh, and we know that because Timothy Oliphant's on the poster. So, and out of that, he he gets told off that we don't shoot on sight anymore. Yes. So you can't give somebody 24 hours notice and if you see them again, then shoot them. Well, the guy says, we haven't done that for 100 years. And then, yes, and then and he gets uh, sent off to Kentucky. Yes, which is where punishment. he's, which is which where is he's where, from. And, uh, and also operates under the same rules as 100 years ago, seemingly. I guess that's why they sent him back there. The, uh, and so he gets, he gets sent back to, to Kentucky where he's, he has a lot of history. Because it's not just that he goes back to Kentucky. He pretty much goes back to his hometown in Kentucky and uh, and is then in charge of uh, arresting people he knows from childhood mm-hmm. and uh, and, 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 and from like school that. and people who know his father and we know that he's got a past that he doesn't really like to talk and about. His father's dodgy. Yeah, and, yeah. So, there's lots and so of- we we discover all of that re- really early on, and and none of that is uh, is really spoiling. Spoiling. Yeah, I don't think it's spoilery. Spoiling. Spoiling. Spoilerific. That's what I was getting at. Yeah. So what did you think, though? What did you think of it? Uh, you know, I, I enjoy it. I think it's a, I think it's a little bit of fun. Mm-hmm. I, uh, I think Timothy Oliphant 
has one note on his uh, on his violin. I can ask this because yeah, Timothy Oliphant's name came up, and I thought, oh, he's famous, and then couldn't realize I had no idea why I thought that. And I went and looked him mm. up, and is it just Deadwood? Is that the thing that he's famous for? I recognized yeah. his name before yeah, Deadwood. Was, before Deadwood, that's what I think because it feels. Like, I'm not sure where. Feels like we're meant to know him, but. I couldn't place him from anything. The, the, it's the like a broken th- elephant, like our memories. <laughs> yeah, a broken elephant. The only other thing I had uh, I had see- seen him in was uh, a not very good film called The Girl Next Door. Mm-hmm. Did he go out with somebody? M- maybe. maybe. Maybe he was in some of those glossy movies. It is weird, though, isn't it? Because he has that feel of, you know how very often you've got the, uh, the next big thing, and then some years back, you'll past, you'll see them and go, "Oh, I remember when they were going to be the next big thing?" And they never were. Mm. You know, there's always that. Um, the Corys. Of course, I'm trying to think of. Um, oh, the, don't the, mention the Corys. Yeah, people like so. the, that guy that was in in Dead Poet Society. Uh, that sort of Robin actor. Williams. Yeah. No, oh no, no, oh, the, no, Robin from Batman and Robin. Uh, oh, no, that's another one though. Yeah, Robin from Batman and Robin's a perfect example. Chris. Chris O'Donnell, yeah, those sort of people who are going to be the next big actor and then never happen. And then later on you'll see them playing character parts on telly and you go, oh, yeah. And I wonder if Timothy Olyphant was one of those. Because I must admit, I actually found him the weakest thing in this. And being the lead character, that was kind of annoying. <laughs> well, when, when, you're, when you're playing up against an actor like Walton Goggins, uh, who plays Boyd Crowder in, in this show, and, and Walton Goggins, people might remember him as Shane from... The Shield. Neither of you have seen The Shield. You're dead to me. The uh, same bits of dead to me. I fancy Michael Chiklis. Well, <laughs> <laughs> what? Does, does that count? <laughs> Walton Goggins uh, is is a fantastic actor and and goes through these ranges and and he plays uh, a neo-Nazi white supremacist. Uh, the the leader of a, a white supremacy gang and also childhood friend they they worked together as teenagers in a mine yes which is where fire in the hole uh, the the title of the first episode and the short story comes from uh, as opposed to toad in the hole which is uh, a different series entirely set in a British pub mm. uh, toad the wet sprocket however that's a band. <laughs> It's a fact. Okay. <laughs> now, it, it was funny, though, because I was thinking about your rule of three when watching this. The first, the first mm. episode's actually like a telly movie. I think it's a, it's a full length. Yeah, it's like 90 minutes, I think. Yeah, and it was interesting because I, I was I kind of... I didn't pre- even notice that. Yeah, well, really? I, I sort of appreciated... I thought the pacing was quite nice and, and this, this attempt to create a world, but couldn't get into the characters at all. And in particular, couldn't work out what we were meant to think of Oliphant's character because he does seem to just go around shooting people. And then I think it's like episode three. But it's always justified. Well, there's there's a line line in episode three where he goes, look, if you kept biting people at school, eventually, no matter how justified it was, they'd call you a biter. And I thought it was interesting when the character basically gets to go, look, just stop this. um, But but just just from doing that once... Well, Even in another state, his his reputation precedes him. But he does and, and it people again. Are talking about in the oh, next the episode that as well. That, and, actually, that no, guy no, twenty four hours. That's why he does a couple. Isn't he, in the first one? Oh, I can't keep up. But, but, anyway, he, he does he does he does do it a few times. But the interesting thing I thought was by the second and third episode, like in the second episode, has that very much the restart thing. There's even a new character there, and um, and it was that interesting thing where I thought they did a really great job of creating this world. You can't believe the world it was in, and there was a lot of attention to detail with things people did, and even little things just in. Uh, in set design and stuff, like that, there was often you know um, pithy little catchy phrases written up on chalkboards and restaurants mm. and stuff. And there was a lot of an attempt to create this believable world. Uh, but I found my, I was the villains. I just liked all the villains. I, the stories I wanted to follow it's, were the villains. And every every week it ends, and I go, 
oh, we can't see them anymore. So were you disappointed when they got shot? I was. I was always disappointed when each set of villains went because then we were stuck with this sucking hole of Timothy Oliphant, which but was I, just, he's just so bland at the centre of this thing, whereas the villains... The villains, like, episode two, the villains in episode two are so interesting. Uh, the, the you know the the guy who uh, it's a, a guy escapes from prison. He's only got three months left to serve, mm. and uh, and and he's an old man and and he served so much time. And you really want to know a lot and he's a more about character. him. And he's, he's a yeah. great character. And, and the people he's with, the the ex the ex wife of his, is a great character. And, and these little beautiful moments those characters get. But then again, this weird tonal shifts where the show itself can't seem to quite decide what it is. So it'll be quite jokey at times. And then have a moment of abject violence, and you kind of go, "This doesn't quite seem to fit together." Like shocking violence, are you say? No, no, it's just shocking. But there is, there is. I mean, in that episode, uh, uh, there was a, a gunshot piece of violence that goes off, and it just seems so weirdly not in keeping. Uh, in the second episode, in the second, it's almost I think like they're trying to do a sort of Tarantino esque. Well, thing. and this, you know, Tarantino's a big fan of Elmore Leonard. Yeah, uh, yeah. and. Uh, I think I read somewhere back when uh, 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 Jackie Brown came out mm-hmm. uh, that Elmer Leonard basically said, well, Tarantino is one of the only people who can adapt my books properly because the first he gets one, it. Yeah, the first one feels very... And the, that, the pilot's very Elmer Leonard-y. I thought yes. it said they wasn't really playing the characters up enough. It was creating that world of Elmer Leonard without really embracing the characters. And Elmer Leonard is all about the characters and the comedy comes out of... Uh, out of the characters and knowing the characters intimately, which is something that Tarantino does really well in Jackie Brown. Mm. Uh, it's something that they do a little bit of in the first episode, but then it's I, I, I find it just too I find it too short. I think there there is so much potential with this show and the characters that you have and this and the scene that it's set set in and uh, and all of the history that that goes along with it. And it's just not being played out to its fullest potential. It's more just that lead character for me because, uh, yeah, I mean, there's an episode involving a dentist, which I actually, I loved everything except a lead character who just isn't captivating enough for me for that role he's in. Oliphant or Oliphant, the dentist? Yeah, no, the dentists were great. I mean, because it was also when Cameron was there. And there's also that weird thing of there's a uh, I've got, there are two blonde female characters in this show I cannot tell apart. One one it's is because they're marines, <laughs> <laughs> and it's weird because one of them involves the most tedious ongoing romantic <laughs> subplot I've ever seen, and it, the one that yeah. I don't. It's, and they don't. So you're talking about uh, Joel Carter and the, the, Natalia Zia, who was uh, the spoiled daughter in uh, Dirty Sexy Money. And is she playing? Oh, the, yeah, that was a show. Is she playing the ex-wife? Because one of them's an ex-wife, and the other ex-wife. one's a woman who who was always fancy him since a girl. Time. And, yep. and, and two women that he can't have sex with. And neither character is terribly engaging or well defined. Well, yeah, the second because she's a witness to to a crime that that he's kind of on. And the. Yeah, but I, I feel that as well. I feel it doesn't need a romantic subplot. I think uh, it would be... But what's he going to do in Kentucky if he doesn't have a bit of romance? I kind of I kind of thinking it's almost like that Marshall character's... people? Yeah, that character feels like he should be older mm-hmm. and a bit more battered maybe and that we would maybe go with it it's better. It's going to be a work-life balance, I think. The show's not called work-life balance. No, <laughs> but, but for realism... It's a very unrealistic show, though, isn't it? It's not going to be a Marshall 24 hours a day. But this is my other problem is when it goes more stylized, it seems to work. You know, like it seems to be happiest when it's off being the more violent Eureka. You know, it actually feels like that's what it wants to be, is a violent Eureka. But it keeps then going, oh, but real drama. Oh, yes, uh, emotional drama. Oh, he'll take his hat off now and show his very white teeth. 
And it's just, yeah. It's, His teeth are too white. They are alarmingly white, yeah. aren't they? It's not just me. I okay. haven't noticed that. <laughs> really? You I have not noticed I'll that. I'll turn the contrast but up. Those American TV. teeth. Yeah, they, they frighten me. Uh, there are, uh, was it just one episode? It might have been two episodes. I've watched six. Um, there, there was starting to be a bit of a relationship built uh, with with somebody that was being put together with as a partner and and uh, and how that was working together. Mm-hmm. Um, and and she calling him on, you know, you get away with this stuff because you're so charming and and you wear yeah. a hat, yeah. And and him, you know, not being being possessive or anything, you know, do you want to wear the hat? Put the hat on if you want. Uh, interesting bit of uh, of trivia that might lend something to uh, to the feeling that we get in the di- the yeah. different feelings that we get from the pilot and and subsequent episodes. I just the, read that too. You, you read that the, the pilot was uh, was was shot. Uh, in Pennsylvania, mm-hmm. and the rest of the episodes were shot in California, so they don't have the same uh, uh, the same exterior shots that uh, that they could have. I didn't and- think it got better though as it went on. I thought it was improving with each episode, um, partly because it felt like it was crawling towards knowing what it actually was. I think if it if it survives to a second season, I think it's quite possible the second season will be really good. Mm-hmm. Uh, I I'm looking forward to to seeing more of it. I, I have to I- say. I didn't notice so much uh, the, the the landscapes at all, um, but I did notice that it seemed to be full of Californian actors doing southern accents. And there is one I think episode, that's just Hollywood. There is one set in California. Well, because too. it's because it's shot in in California, that's why they wouldn't actually have uh, proper southerners doing it. And I, I don't. Is it? Do you think that's just because the infrastructure is all over in Hollywood and they wouldn't want to set up a location? Or but even the first one wasn't filmed in Kentucky. <laughs> they'd they'd like, get like shot at by, by no, Kentuckians yeah. if they yeah. were doing But, but none, none of them were filmed in Kentucky. That's the, even that first one was filmed like in Washington or somewhere. I think uh, it, was. Yeah, it, Pennsylvania. it was Pennsylvania. Pennsylvania. Yeah. So um, yeah, it's funny that he actually does make a. Uh, there is a joke about that. I think in the third or fourth episode, he says something about how everyone comes from somewhere else. Because after we've had the, the inter- interesting guy from Brooklyn and, and the episode where they go to Los Angeles, it feels like even they're feeling a bit stuck with the Kentucky kind of concept. And it does seem to be a theme that that uh, the, the the protagonist of the week um, is is stuck in Kentucky from somewhere else. Uh, we saw Steve, which who I a, always think of Scooter a, from, from uh, <laughs> Sex and the City. I don't know why I think his name was Scooter in that, but it was Steve, who yeah, yeah, uh, Steve, Cynthia yeah, What's-Her-Face was with. Uh, it's, and and in that it, it becomes like a, a either a Mount Thomas Kentucky becomes like a Mount Thomas, <laughs> uh, or or just Gilligan's Island where the the drama comes to the town rather than the drama being in the town. I think that's that's where the challenge is going to lie. I'm go- I'm going to keep watching it. It's mm-hmm. called Justified. I very much enjoyed it. You can find it on much. FX if you are in the US and. Uh, by asking one of us, I suppose. If you're not in the US, you can find you can find it on the internet uh, wh- wherever you are. I'm sure. Look for it. Justified. Hi, Rob Brealy, executive producer of Are You Smarter Than a Fifth Grader? You're listening to Box Cutters, and I'm here with three of the most handsome men I think I've ever met in my entire life. One of them was you. Me? Sh- sure. Why not? Were you, or were you talking to John? No, no, it wasn't me. It was, I, it was I couldn't see which way you were looking. No, I wasn't here then. So it was I was just, just you. I was just looking at that guy over there. Yeah. He's gone now. He's North, gone now. Norfolk little, little idents talk about how hot we are, don't they? Which is great. Yeah. yeah. Audio only. Hey. I know. Love that. <laughs> it's, uh, it, it's strange with the, the later guests how, how many of them uh, go on about it. 
<laughs> sexy, Calling hunky. Calling gorgeous and yeah. sexy and hunky. And, yeah, I, I don't understand Almost that Almost like it was a all. script. TV cliches. Yes, um, which Which was uh, one of John's uh, new segments brought in just a couple of months ago. Uh, and, this, and this actually came up with Justified. It's the cliche of how law enforcement agents uh, carry themselves in vehicles in the US where... You've, you've Do you want to start that sentence again? <laughs> no, it's intriguing. I'm, I'm loving this because, you know, uh, the video podcast, this will see. This, but this, this he's got this, this look podcast. on his face. Like he, he's, Brett's got something really dirty he wants to say. No, <laughs> no, no, no. Work no, out no. How politely to put it. I'm, 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 no, no, I'm not, not trying to put it. I know, but it's just, it, that's what it looks like. It's hilarious. No, it's, it's a freaking it's just, cliche there's when, no, when there's everybody no cli- turns up. There's, what, there's no cliche video podcast? Yes. When. <laughs> <laughs> Like in Bones or in Justified with the Marshals or, or in uh, The Mentalists, they, they tend to do it, where you've got a crime scene, which has been a crime scene for seven hours. It's all taped off. There's cops all over the place. There is no reason why the vehicle has to pull up with lights and siren on. Every time, I don't know how it is in the States, but every time in this country, when, when a police car puts its lights and sirens on, they have to fill in a report do they? to explain why they put their lights and sirens on. So you can't do it just because it's cool? No, you cannot do it just because it's cool. Because I'd do it you know, no, if I had lights and sirens. That's, that's not on here. I don't, I don't know if they're, if they're completely encouraged I, to make as much noise as possible. I don't, especially I don't when think, they're sneaking up on somebody and they've got lights and sirens <laughs> I've on. seen... Uh, I've seen police cars in, in the US go through uh, red lights with lights and sirens on just because there wasn't anybody coming the other way and they thought they should be able to go. Well, I've seen them do that here as well, but I didn't realize that they're not allowed to anymore. But they thought, woo! No, no, they're that's allowed it. to. Just to cross over that's the... Yeah. Just Zoidberg leaving yeah. a seat. <laughs> <laughs> in fact, for safety, if they are going through uh, uh, against a red light, they definitely have to put lights and sirens on because they they have to be seen and heard. But if they're going against red light just because they want to, that's what I'm saying. Would, just because it's fun, they're not allowed to do that either. In, in the same way that they often will park illegally uh, because they're picking up a hamburger. Parking's not not part of road war rules. It's not part of traffic rules. Or like yeah, they can park anywhere. Or, or be- and in fact, have, you up with, have permission with to box. park anywhere. They're not allowed to do that either. But you know. <laughs> Old habits die hard. No, no, allegedly. (laughs) Oh, allegedly. Allegedly. So, so Brett, you've had two cliches thus far, and they're both car-related. They are. (laughs) They are. I I really don't think that US TV series do car stuff well. So you're saying looking out for... I think think they're really freaking desperate to fill in half a second here and there to, to infer that there is movement within the story going on, but they can't just have regular car road... Noises. They've got to put wheelie squ- wheel squealies in, or or have lights and sirens pulling up, to, <laughs> pulling up to a roadblock where there's 120 police and nobody's going to think that. Okay, well, well, I'm pu- I'm putting this out to our US listeners. If you can maybe just uh, approach a policeman, try f- for one of those friendly ones, and ask them what the rules are in your city mm-hmm. uh, about police uh, approaching a crime scene. Do they have to put their lights on? Are they supposed to keep their lights off? If you can let us know, because uh, so we're talking like where where the street's been blocked off, so it's not a safety thing that they have to have their lights on because they're parked in the middle of the road and there's traffic going by. That would that would be a requirement. You would you would need to have the lights on. But if they've shut down the road, okay, okay, I changed I changed my request. 
if you live in the US, if you could approach a policeman and then call Brett on your phone and then hand the phone to the policeman so Brett can clarify everything, that would be great. I'm your postman. I have a letter for you. No, I'm just the postman. 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 We've had heaps of letters from Box Cutters listeners. And you know what I love? The letters are getting longer. Yes. They're getting longer and longer, uh, which either means that people have more time to waste at work, uh, which might be a reflection on the economy. I don't know. Or they're just really impassioned. Uh, but the letters and comments on the on the site as well, on boxcutters.net. There has been a are, lot of... Yeah. Are, getting, are getting longer and more in-depth. And what I really love about this is we're finding out that People really know a lot about some stuff. Yes. And I love it when they share it. So uh, to the people who shared all the information about the Pacific, uh, thank you so much. Uh, and, uh, and people who just tell us what television is like elsewhere in the world, I'm loving all of that. And, uh, and John has some things to read out about those things from some people. This one's going back just a couple of weeks. We, we got a lot of stuff about the Pacific. Which was quite impressive. We, and we did on the yeah, and like you're saying on the uh, blog, the blog is great. All the stuff that was there. But you you sounded so much like like an old man. An who's old never man. Heard on of the uh, on on the the word board, <laughs> there was yes, many things stapled there from the radiogram. All right, um, but um, this one actually came in from Alex. I just weird thing this came in before we even recorded our review. It it did. I because I put a shout out on Twitter uh, if anyone had seen. Uh, if anyone had seen the Pacific and, and what they thought of it. Uh, and then several hours later, this uh, novel came back, or t- tome, I should say, came back from uh, Alex Tilly. And it is it is full of typos. It is massively full of typos. <laughs> Alex. It's dreadful. No, he does say that, though. He says, I'm writing this on my phone, so forgive the typos. Um, Fair enough. He spelled that correctly, although I did have. But uh, he basically was saying how much he, he really liked. Uh, no, no, he's actually put uh, typos. But I, I think that's fair enough for typos. I don't think you actually need the E. Yeah, no, you don't. It's Italian. Is it? <laughs> it's Greek. <laughs> um, so he, yes, he was saying he was a massive fan of Band of, Bro- Band of Brothers and really loved it. Mm. Um, but like uh, uh, two thirds of us were saying, he found the Pacific underwhelming because it was just he didn't care about the characters. He <laughs> didn't know them, couldn't know their names, which is yeah, a little bit tricky. Uh, and basically was just yeah, it's boring. Is the point he gets to here? Boring is the way. But I think he says here, a good thing was said later about the later Tom Clancy novels that editors were too scared to make him cut stuff out because of who he was, so the later books were rambling and self-important and boring. This could have done with a tough, a tough editor to rein them in and make them snappier. And he's saying that same thing as of the Pacific, and he kind of wonders if anyone's too scared to make Hanks and Spielberg cut anything. I, I get the feeling Spielberg for years, judging by his films as well, has not had anyone near him who would ever say... That, that, is, that is a problem. It was a big problem with the, uh, with the last few Harry Potter books as well. Uh, because they were just getting longer and longer because no one was going to tell J.K. Nobody, Rowling what no. to cut. And because you don't need to, either. I mean, that's the other thing, too, isn't it? They're, they're going to they're gonna sell. They're going to sell regardless. Yeah, of what people do. Uh, but, yes, it, this, is, this does seem to be a problem, that uh, when you get someone as well-known as, as Steven Spielberg, what do you tell him to cut out of his you know, masterpiece? And, uh, and the trick there is to get an editor... Who doesn't like you? Mm. <laughs> you know, if you if you get an editor who who doesn't who doesn't like you and doesn't particularly want the job, yeah, doesn't doesn't fear you, who but hates also you, but also actively really, dislikes you, but does a, does a really good job. Who wants to stab you? 
and uh, and that's you know that that's that's a part of it. And if if you're surrounded by a bunch of uh, yes men who just go, oh yeah, that's fantastic, we'll just do that, then uh, you, you're not going to get it. Alex also says he felt like he needed to find a good point to make as well. So he says Gary Sweet is tough as nuts and rules in episode five. <laughs> I good do, point, well made. <laughs> I'm wondering when Gary sweets the highlight, you can find how badly things are going. <laughs> uh, we also got a letter from the lovely Sophie in Canada, who was writing about procedurals. Mm-hmm. Says, I know we all like to bitch about how heavily the television landscape is soaked with unoriginal ideas, cops, hospitals, and lawyer shows. Do proce- However, do procedurals have to be bad? Isn't it our snobbery about procedurals uh, more than an excuse to feel morally superior to others because we like brainy shows rather than that brain-dead crap? If a show is well-written, well-acted, and uses original ideas and characters, does there have to be a complex, ongoing storyline and character arcs? Isn't it enough to watch a show along the lines of House where there are ongoing character arcs, but not to the extent you have to watch every bloody single bloody episode to understand the thing? What do you think, Sophie? Well, I think that there definitely is a place for smart procedurals and the uh, the original uh, the original few series of uh, Law and Order are... Are such television when it was uh, still infused with the magic of homicide life on the streets? No, it it wasn't infused with the magic of homicide oh, life no. on the streets. That was there was no with the, Munch and no before Munch before Munch left homicide life on the streets to join Law and Order. Law and Order was there was a show. Law and Order before Munch left homicide. Really, there's been Law and Order since okay. 1991, I believe. Since 56, and the coming of television. Actually, since since 1991. I'm actually quite. Uh, I don't know. I've ever said this before out loud. I, I'm actually not uh, not keen on CSI. I actually don't mind the CSIs for that exact reason that you don't have to have seen any episode of CSI. You don't ever need to see another episode of CSI. They're entirely self-contained. So the original. It's, well, I can't any of them really. I mean, as far as I can so tell, I've, I just find uh, the 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 original Miami. Mm-hmm. Why just all the colours are blown out. They're stupid. And Horatio with his frickin' sunnies coming off so that he can't get cut. But even that, so I, I, I kind of enjoy that, you know, they're, they're just an episode and they're about uncovering something and, and discovering something in the same way, actually, that I and, occasionally and enjoy the... Murder, she wrote. No, what's the English one that they play Matlock. late night with uh, Midsummer Murders? Midsummer Murders is the twiest thing in the world, but the show itself is fairly aware of that, as far as I can tell. And it is quite fun to just watch this one-off murder mystery thing. There are no characters. They're just cardboard people wandering around. But usually the plot's interesting and fun and some bell ringer will be killed. And, you know, and I actually, I think, yeah. I, Thanks, Siri. I, I actually agree with, with the fact that I get a bit fed up occasionally with the fact that you can't just watch a show from episode seven or just watch episode seven. You have to watch everything now. Yeah, Everyone's and, obsessed with it. Uh, and so, so uh, original Law and Order was, was great because it was smart television. We hadn't seen a procedural like it before. Uh, that was that was cut perfectly halfway down. Half of it was a cop show, half of it was a courtroom show. Put the two together, everyone's going to love it. Very clever television, and uh, and and was very good. The problem with the procedurals now is that there aren't original ones. They're all they all seem to be franchises. Carbon copies based in another city. Yeah, they yeah. they're just they're just franchise shows. And that's that's a problem that that I have. Well, I, I think, think there's def- ER again was was another one started off. It was a great procedural. We, uh, we brought this up didn't we? That we did a couple of weeks in a row where we were just watching one bland procedural after another. Um, there was explained to me, and there was the <laughs> the one Midless, that, 11th the, hour. Yeah, it was that whole yeah that whole yeah. period where we were watching a whole bunch of them. So and, it was it was the the massively genius dude with the team around them. Well, 
going we, through and, and making things. Yeah, and we're the explaining I, why everything's obvious. I would argue they weren't gimmicky enough, and and, well, I think and that seemed to be problem. trying to, trying to is, recapture the house magic. Mm-hmm. Which is, but then you talk about not being gimmicky enough, and then we we talk about uh, procedurals that we enjoyed leverage. Is a procedural. Oh yeah, and, and we we mentioned that every time uh, Leverage tried to put in an ongoing story arc, it felt so grindingly out of place. Yeah. it just always felt awful. Going, no, don't tell us about his alcoholism and his lost kid because it just doesn't suit this show that you're making. You know, this is the A team. Don't try and bring that into it. And so the, the the point of procedural television is it's television that we don't we don't get emotionally invested in it past the length of the episode. We're there for the journey of the 48 minutes or, or whatever it is that, that we're watching it for. And then at the end of that, we don't care. Time for the next episode. Bring, but nobody cares it. about Red John and his, his little smiley faces in The Mentalist, for example. Yeah, that's right. Which is yeah. that yeah. Oh, yeah, that yeah. thing. Yeah, no one cares. No one cares yeah. about that. And, but The Mentalist, and, it's been interesting. That seems to have been the one of that, of that series uh, that has sustained since. And At Chuck, least on Australian TV. Chuck is an interesting combination of procedural and ongoing storyline. And and you do end up having two lots of audience. Some who like the procedural part of it and then the shippers. Well, I must admit, I've kind of been lost on Chuck now because I am over the ongoing storyline. And it's become obvious they're never, ever going to change that dynamic. You know, like the bit where the shippers got angry. I thought, oh, thank God they're finally doing something new with this. And then they kind of unpacked that again over the next couple of episodes to go, oh, no, it's not that. I haven't, I haven't seen it since they came back after the shippers went Yeah, spastic. and it just feels a bit going, look, you know what, I, I, I'm, I think you're not good enough now on the individual episodes to really keep my attention. And I'm not interested in the will they or won't they because you've been doing that for three years. And there's a, there's a limit. Not quite procedurals, but we're saying even the new series of Doctor Who has uh, very much moved away from the the more kind of emotional beat storytelling of the Russell T. Davies one. The, the, mm-hmm. the, uh, well, based on the five episodes we've seen so far of the new one, it's much more Doctor and Companion investigate and so far they have been giving them much more of a kind of brother and sister kind of relationship. Um, yeah, and, the, uh, and it, is, it is just about them going to a place that uh, something's not quite right, finding out what, what that is. is. And then fixing that problem and, and leaving. And it's interesting to see online that some people are really angry about that. Some people, you know, want the angsty, oh, I love you, Doctor, why can't you love me? Storylines of, you know, Rose and, and other people. And it's just interesting to think that maybe, maybe that is what you need these days in a show. Uh, and I, I have to say the, the new Stephen Moffat episodes of Doctor Who, I, I'm loving that uh, second episode, uh, Rule from Below. Uh, uh, Beast Below. Uh, Beast Below. Beast Below. Um, just fantastic. Yeah, I love a, a really, really superb. Anyway, that kind of deviates from Sophie's question, but I hope I hope that answers your question, Sophie. If you have a question for box cutters, you can send us an email to hooray at boxcutters.net. Or if you horrifically disagree with what we just said and want to say, no, no, you need character arcs or else I can't bother watching this stuff. Then please send an email to hooray at mm. boxcutters.net uh, or just use the form that we have on the site. There's a, a little bit that says talk to box cutters. Click on that. That'll take you to a form, put all of your thoughts in there, hit send, that'll get to us, and we'll go, yay, someone else thinks something. Okay, question three. Which canal... All these going to be about war. No, i got loads of... i got one on tennis, one on the Suez Canal, loads. Okay, question three. Which canal links the Mediterranean with the Red Sea? 
This week's Crumpler prize is a Crumpler t-shirt. Hold it's, it up to the, uh, the camera. I'm not holding yeah. it up to anything but my <laughs> own eyes, Brett. It, it looks to be uh, eggplant in colour. Purple, I would have said, with a uh, red reflective uh, little Crumpler man. No, that's aubergine. That's clearly eggplant. No, it's aubergine. Eggplant and aubergine are the same no, thing? No, no, that's aubergine. Oh, my mistake. It's a but if you actually look, look, look at an eggplant, it's, it's well away from that colour of the skin of the eggplant. So are you. Yet we call you eggplant. And it sounds like this. It does. It's a little darker than, than John Richard's Barney purple that he has on currently. See, I don't think of that as Barney purple. That's eggplant. No, that's not. <laughs> no, that's suffragette, isn't it? <laughs> I also want to do a TV show called Think Something. <laughs> Just after well, what you were saying there, I thought, this is a great title. I don't know what the show's about, but Think Something. Well, that could great. run in a double with That's Uncomfortable. <laughs> yeah, uh, if you were here during the breaks, uh, people. The things we get up to. Really, really. This week's, this week's quiz question is, who is the guy that was in that show? <laughs> Please show your workings. Who was the guy that was in that show? And I, I want to know why you've come up with that guy. Yeah, and that show. Who was the guy? So, so if somebody came up to you and said, oh, who was the guy that was in that show? Mm-hmm. And you've, you come up with an answer. So, so my, my answer would be uh, Ian McShane. Right. Yeah, yeah. Ian McShane. He, he, was, he was in Deadwood uh, and, then he, and he was also in Lovejoy. You must be thinking of him. Do you know that's alarming because I was thinking Lovejoy? Right. <laughs> I was genuinely thinking Lovejoy. There you go. What's the most obscure show I can think of? <laughs> it's Lovejoy. That's quite alarming. So, so who's, who was the guy that was in that thing? It has to be television related. Show you're working. Send your entries to hooray at boxcutters.net. Now, and you can Josh, get a I, medium I purple crumpler t-shirt with a lovely reflective crumpler. I didn't explain this uh, earlier, but it, it is a momentous occasion for Boxcutters history uh, in that we've actually got two quiz prizes get out of town there is a second question on there's a second question for the for the blue one and that is that that is what's daryl whinging about this week oh okay now now you've split the audience are they which which question are they They can enter on both make it into both okay you can enter both you can't win both that'd be crazy but you can enter both enter both who's the guy that was in that thing and what's Darryl Darryl whinging whinging about about this week? week. If you watch one thing. If I was going to watch one thing this week, it would be Low Down on ABC on Wednesday night at 9 o'clock. With Adam Zouar. Was it mine last week? It was yours two weeks ago. Adam Zouar. It's excellent. Yeah. It's excellent. It's not that, you know, if we could only watch well, one thing for knows. all time. Uh, but Lowdown is really a, a lot, like, for Australian comedy, I'm shocked. It's, I'm really enjoying Hang it. On, so you've chosen Brett's thing from two weeks ago, yeah? Yeah. Your one thing. Because I've chosen my one thing I think is your thing from two weeks ago, isn't oh, it? Oh, yes. I, I rock. Uh, the new ABC rock and roll drama, I rock. I don't know when it's on. It's on ABC2 Monday nights at 9.30. So that, and that was your thing, I believe, some weeks back. So, yes, yeah, yes, so, it was. So now Brett will have to choose one of our one things from from some point in the past. Well, I don't think it's been on tally here, but you guys did particularly like it, and it's Psychoville, starting with episode one on ABC One on Wednesday at nine thirty. Mm. This is uh, so you can just roll on through from Lowdown into Psychoville. Yes, 
Yes, and it's uh, it's the uh, comedy League of, League of Gentlemen. Guess, yep, from the people Free, that brought you League of well, Gentlemen. Two, two two thir- actually, no, and that's half League of Gentlemen. Yeah. Why don't you uh, yeah. Why don't you do a search for Psychoville on the Box Cutter site? You can go back listen to that episode where hmm. we reviewed it. But we really think you should watch that as well as Lowdown and I Rock. It's ABC Fest this week on Box Cutters. Hey, um, when I cast my pod. It's with the box cutters in mind. Box cutters. Pod. Cast. Done. Pork is on the table. Uh, it's, so, it's so nice because we've just seen uh, uh, the new digital clocks in here in the studios at 3RRR that make no ticking sound, but we can still visit with Brian Nankervis and hear the ticking of the clock. They, these are alarming, though. We should mention when, when we came in, if you, if you picture a kind of 70s science fiction drama in which uh, a Bond-esque villain is counting down to the ultimate destruction of the world, yes. that's exactly what these clocks that are is, That like. is exactly the kind of clock that we have. And can't you hear that noise that it makes? You know we've got that clock up there as well that still has the I ticking. Can, I can I can hear it. I can hear it go bloop, bloop, <laughs> bloop, bloop. But, but only when it's in the corner bloop. of your vision. Yes. Yeah. Or, or right across the middle. Obviously, it's frightening. Can we just mention one of our lovely, lovely American listeners uh, emailed us this week to ask what pork meant in case it was actually an Australian euphemism for something? Eleanor, Eleanor Boxcutter, Eleanor Boxcutter, which I thought was hilarious. She wrote in saying, "Look, I'm just curious when when you say pork is on the table, does it have some meaning? Can you hear that?" Yeah, you're right. They are quite loud. Yeah, I can hear it. Yeah, it's it's just quiet though. I don't think anyone will notice. It's it's throughout the whole show. Okay, all right. Yeah, that is very odd. So I'm not I'm not schizophrenic. But uh, yeah, so that's another question. If you want to make up a uh, filthy euphemism, we can tell Eleanor that (laughs) pork is on the table. Pork is on the table means. uh, I I described uh, to her at length how we came about uh, to, to to find out pork. But you can also listen to the entire evolution of pork as. Those clocks are actually quite loud. I right? know. Yeah, until you pointed it out, I really hadn't Sorry. noticed it. Sorry. Sorry. Yeah. Isn't that weird? Yeah, yeah. that's it's terrifying. Like you drive a Volkswagen and suddenly everybody in the world drives a Volkswagen. I know. Yeah. <laughs> really fast while talking on their mobile phone and shooting the president. Now this... <laughs> I, I, I do have a piece of, of pork this week <laughs> that's... Oh, that's oh, uh, please, eat... Either say your pork or make it stop. <laughs> it is uh, that you may know uh, Aziz Ansari from uh, favourites of box cutters uh, such as Human Giant. Parks and Recreation. And uh, also uh, part of Series 8 of Scrubs. He was in Flight um, of the Concords as well. Uh, oh, the was angry he? greengrocer, I believe, who has a go at New Zealanders. And, uh, and a dinner party I threw a couple of weeks ago. Yeah. yeah, he actually He's has a a, uh, guest. a live eight with his nose a live show recording uh, DVD out at the moment, and I would recommend it because he's one funny bugger. He is. He is. He's very, very funny. Mm. That brings us to the end of Box Cutters episode two hundred and twenty-two. <laughs> You're just trying to stop it now because those noises in your head yes. are driving you nuts. Yes, I am. <laughs> I am. I want to say thanks to Crumpler for our giveaway sponsors, and uh, also thanks to everybody who sent in uh, emails. During the the weeks, it's driving me absolutely nuts. Until next John, week, can you, can you just hit the switch on that? That's what Jack Bauer's heads like all the time. Hang just on, hang, on, hang on, there we go. That's that's louder. Is that better? That's louder. Thank no, you. Hang on, other way. No, no, that's it. You got it. Okay. Yep. Until go. next week, my name is Josh Canal. I'm John Richards. I continue to be Brett Cropley. Thanks for listening to Box Cutters. Catch us again next week, same bad time, same bad channel. And hey. Let's be careful out there.
Box Cutters thanks 3RRR, whose studios we use to record this podcast pretty much each and every week. Find them on the web at rrr.org.au or 102.7 FM if you're in the Melbourne metro area. If you enjoyed this podcast, please go onto the iTunes Music Store or anywhere else you find us and leave a review. It will help other people find Box Cutters and then they can enjoy it too. Email us at hooray at boxcutters.net or via SMS on 0458 288 837. That's 0458 Cutter. Previously on Box Cutters. Look out! Look out! Someone, quick, hide the president! That man's got a gun! That man! It's Pete Smith! Hi, this is Pete Smith. You've been listening to or have just missed Box Cutters.